Dalton stays in the pocket, looks for Landry, off his hands and picked off. It's taken away by DeMonte Casey in his Steelers debut. Hello and welcome to the Real Steel Podcast, where we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. No BS, just the real steel. I'm your host, Jeff Schmidt, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Polk. And we're back in the win column, baby. The Steelers earned themselves a 20-10 to 10 victory over the New Orleans Saints last Sunday. And boy, does it feel good. We're back, baby. Back and better than ever. Got that bye week rest, and we're ready to roll now. Yeah, so Polt and I, for our listeners, we each kind of had a non-traditional way, so to say, of, of how we watched the game this week. I was actually at the game in person. I sat about halfway up. Um, in the stadium in the middle of the end zone. So I had a, a really cool vantage point where you can kind of see the entire offense and defense, you know, spread out across the width of the field. So yeah. it was really cool to kind of see everything laid out from an offensive and defensive perspective. And Paul, you were on a boat in Florida with no service. So you actually got to watch the game a little bit later on DVR and you could fast forward through all the commercials and timeouts and, and all that jazz. How was that experience? Yeah. Driving down the intercoastal waterway in Tampa was pretty nice, but not having to watch commercials might have been even better. So I enjoyed that. And I got to say, shout out to you. Uh, the Schmitz are 1-0 in games this year. The Politos, on the other hand, are 0-2. I lost the Jets game, and my sister went to the game in Miami that we also yeah. lost. So you said your sister's going to a game later in the year. Hopefully you can make it 2-0 versus our 0-2. That's right. All right, you hear that, Case? Time to bring home a win against Atlanta. We'll, we'll get there in early December, so hopefully that works out well. Let's go ahead and break this game down. I think we're yeah. pretty excited about it. Plenty to discuss. And again, those different vantage points that we had. So I, I think we probably both picked up on a few different things. So let's let's get to it, dive right in. Um, the game really began with a punt by each team to start. Uh, but on the Steelers' second possession, we took advantage of some really good field position. We put together a 12-play, 57-yard drive that was capped off by a one-yard George Pickens rush for a touchdown. And we jumped out to a 7-0 lead early. It was a good feeling to start the game. Yeah, uh- I thought they started out really aggressively on offense. We went for it on fourth down on that second drive. And we also had 12 dropbacks and 11 throws in the first two drives combined, which is a pretty aggressive start coming out for us. Um, I also thought the play design for the Pickens touchdown was good after that Claypool passing touchdown on a wide, uh, end around. They now ran it this time. So I thought that was pretty good. So, yeah, I was pretty happy with the start. Yeah, it was really cool to see George Pickens get that one-yard rush. I read something. Um, about how the scheme for that play was for him not to run inside of the tackles. Correct. That, that he saw that it was open, so he went ahead and took advantage. Uh, love that guy. That was a really great play. He and, cut it close, but I'm glad he scored. Yeah, he cut it close. I, it, what was neat is that it was right in front of us where I was sitting. And, and Patty cool. was sitting. So th- that was really, really cool to see. Um, and, yeah, good good way to get out early. That was a great start. Um, so right after that, we forced a punt from the Saints, and then we put together another pretty long – a pretty long drive. It was 65 yards. We got a field goal on the board and we were up 10, nothing. Yeah. Um, so that was a good spot to be in up 10. We forced a punt and we punted. Uh, Saints got a field goal. We punted again. And then there was about two minutes left in the game. I think it was, it was a minute, 53 seconds. I had actually got up, went to go grab something before the, uh, before the <laughs> halftime rush. Yeah. Uh, hit the bathroom real quick. And, and as I was waiting in line at the concession stand, I kind of watched on one of those TVs, the Saints kind of just pick us apart and, and put together. It was a 71-yard, six-play drive. Um, we really let up some big plays, and, and there was that unnecessary roughness penalty, too. 
um, for the Saints to, to get on the board um, with a touchdown and tie it up 10-10 to go into the half. So not the best feeling, kind of kind of feeling a little bit crappy after giving up a touchdown right at the end there and watching them kind of drive the field and pick us apart. But, um, yeah. you know, to, to be a, in a tie ball game uh, into the half and see some encouraging things out of us, I, I was feeling okay. I was, I was looking forward to the second half. Yeah, it was kind of bad to see catches of 10, 8, and 15 yards for Jawan Johnson against Robert Spillane on that last drive. Kind of was like, uh, Robert Spillane's going to give up a lot of passing plays today. Here we go again. And But, yeah, like you said, going in the half, tied, couldn't be too upset. So, yeah, had some optimism going into the second second half. Yeah, and we come right out of the locker room, and the best thing I think we did in this game was we forced a three and out right to start the second half. Um, yeah, Really kind of showed the momentum that, that we wanted to bring. From that point on, I think we kind of set the tone the rest of the game. I just have you know noted a few of the lengths of our drive here, of some of our drives. Ten plays, 64-yard drives. We ended up missing a field goal, but then we forced a punt. Um, an 11-play, 83-yard drive. We got a field goal. And then at that point, uh, we were up 13 to 10, and there was about 13 or 14 minutes left in the game, I think, and, and Renegade came on. Um, so Renegade fired everyone up within the stadium. Um, KZ had that interception, flipped the field for us, to us on the 44-yard line, an eight-play drive, 20 to 10 with that Kenny one-yard rushing touchdown, and that was the final score. Um, at, at that point on, we kind of just – we're able to to kind of run run the game out and, and really burn clock. We forced a turnover on downs. Um, you know, we did miss uh, another field goal, but there was an interception. And then ultimately we kind of iced the game with, with some really great plays by folks like Jalen Warren. So 20 to 10 was that final score and, and a lot of good things that, that we can talk about. I think, you know, we have a lot of notes here from each of us. But while we're on this high, I, I just want to mention uh, really – you know, quickly kind of dive into who I've selected as my balls as field player for the game, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I said his name with his interception, but I'm going to go on here and give it to DeMonte KZ. This was his first game back. He had nine screws that were put in his arm following the preseason game, uh, the last preseason game that he was out. Um, we found out just the day before the game on Sunday uh, that Minka was going to be out. So he had big shoes to fill, and I think he filled them really well. He played every snap. His stat line in the box score isn't anything crazy. He had four tackles, one pass defended. But he had that interception, and it really showed that, man, he is just a ball hawk. He had really good concentration. It looked like he was just all over the field. Um, and I learned that Casey was a co-leader um, of the league in interceptions in 2018. When he 2017. So he really is a great player. I'm glad that he's back, and and it was really great just to see Demonte Casey step up. And I can't wait to see him with Minka when we have some kind of three safety sets. That's going to be cool to see. Yeah, he looked really prepared and looked like he was flying around out there, really happy to be out there, which was good. And like you said, the three safety set it allowed Terrell Edmonds to come down and play some sub package linebacker and give Devin Bush some breaks, which I think could be really vital for us moving forward. So I love that. Thought thought Casey played really well. Uh, for my balls of steel player of the week, I'm going to go with uh, a guy we've criticized a little bit, been back and forth on this year, Najee Harris. Got to give the guy some love. Went 20, for 20 carries for 99 yards, a 4.95 yard per carry, a long of 36. The guy said he, was, he wasn't he was happy about doing a, a running back by committee, 
but understood why we wanted to do it and was very happy and open to it. And he came out and showed why he really is the running back number one this week. Mm-hmm. He, hit, he hit holes hard, holes really hard, which we had been waiting for all year. He looked to be way more physical. He looked like the Najee we saw last year at Alabama a little bit. I also thought that he passed blocked really well. He's yes. been removed from the third down role, but he had some really key blocks that helped Kenny not get sacked for more times. And so I thought that was really good, but it also leads me to my, uh, because of him, his 99 yards and then the rest of the team running so well, my stat of the week, it's actually a, a two first stat of the week. Um, this was the first time in 92 regular season games that we had 200 plus rushing yards. Um, and that's the first time since 2016 week 14 against Buffalo. Wow. Le'Veon Bell had 236 himself. So it's been a long time. And on top of that, we had 217 against the Saints. We had 144 against Philly, which is 361 total in the last two games. That's our most in a two-game span since 2014, weeks two and three. So the running game's getting going a little bit, and Najee Harris had a lot to do with that on Sunday. I like that pick. There has been a lot of, of shade getting thrown at Najee lately. I also wrote down that he he did really well in the blocking game. And and what's interesting to note here is he played 60% of the snaps. Yeah. So it, it's not, you know, the bell cow that we saw last year where he's playing 80 to 90% snaps, maybe even more. Um, you know, he's he's getting in on a, not to say a limited snap count, but really on a shared snap count. And, and he's making the most of his time now, or at least, at least in this game. This was his best week in a long time. Maybe it's a sign that he's kind of fully healthy now. Yeah, you know, we, we've talked a little bit in some of our past episodes about some of the people who are, are writing Najee off and, and saying that that pick was a waste. And, you know, I've seen some stuff floating around on Twitter this week that says, you know, take away his 36 yard run and then he's only, you know, X for X. But I think that's silly. I mean, the yeah. fact of the matter is he had that 36 yard run. He barreled a guy over on that run and and he he really ran like exactly like you said, um, he, he really ran well. Um, and showed his physicality and, and hit some holes. So well, it's hard to good. take away that run because it was all him. He made the cutback and then yep. he ran the guy over and finished the play. I mean, I he had a, it was great and it was awesome seeing Kenny Pickett and De, uh, Deontay Johnson running down the field trying to block for him as well. That was yeah. good. I think Kenny Pickett reached nineteen point nine miles per hour on that play. So pretty cool. One of one of his fastest runs of the season, and that, and that was great to see just from him him kind of going balls to the wall to get there. That that was really cool. Um, We'll, we'll talk a few more things about the game, but while we're here on good, if, if you want to go bad and, and give your jag off of the week, you can do that. I'll, I'll just very briefly say mine. Yeah. Um, it's going to go to Matthew Wright. He was our fill-in kicker for this week while, while Chris Boswell was out. Um, and, and I don't think he necessarily had an awful game. Um, it was a little windy in the stadium, so maybe I'll give him a little credit there. And Yeah, yeah you're going to have the jitters, but you know he was 2 of 4 um, and, and hit his two extra points. I, I think I have written down here um, that the two field goals he converted were for 33 yards. I think extra points now are also 33 yards. They are. He missed a 39-yarder and a 48-yarder wide left. I mean, they were not even close. Hooks, kicks. They, they really just weren't good. Um, I would have liked to see Skiba. He is available. I would have liked to see him back. Um, I would have thought that after that performance, he was going to go and, and we'd bring Skiba back. Um, it doesn't look like that's the case. Tomlin today in his press conference said that Matthew Wright is the one we're going to stick with. Um, hopefully, hopefully he performs better. 
um, in, in the future. Uh, probably going to be a short-lived stint, as we know, with Boswell on IR, hopefully coming back later. But um, unfortunately, that's, that's my Jagoff for the week, Matthew Wright. My Jagoff for the week, I'm going to do something we haven't done yet. I'm going to give it to somebody who's not on the Steelers. Um, I'm going to give it to the entire Saints defense. And <laughs> my reason for doing that is, I mean, not only do they allow over 200 yards to us to a not great rushing offense, they also gave us six first downs by penalty. And while that doesn't, I mean, that's actually a ton of first downs by penalty. And they extended a lot of drives that actually ended up being really key drives for us. So I'm going to give the Saints defense jag off of the week. They just didn't seem to be ready and prepared. I like that pick. That That's a very interesting way. I mean, they really kind of let us take advantage of them in terms of the penalties and in terms of, you know, getting our run game going. So. Uh, interesting pick there. Let's let's talk a little bit more. Just we'll call this kind of a grab bag here, but just some things that that we would want to bring up during the game. Um, and this is kind of a, a random list of bullet points that I have here, and maybe you can make, but a, a few things to note. So the Saints had ten total possessions. Only two of them were scoring drives. Um, there were five punts and and two interceptions on on our part, and, and one turnover on down. So. I think really here the story that I'm trying to, to get to is our defense. Our defense really stepped up and, and played really well. I mean, the points show it on the board, holding a, an offense with, I would argue, one of the best running backs in the league, Alvin Kamara. Um, honor, I would say an honorable rookie of the year candidate, um, Chris Olave. He's a yeah. really good wide receiver. Um, so the fact that we kind of held a, a pretty – good or decent offense or at least some good players to 10 points the defense just played really really well yeah i mean they only gave up 186 total yards which is kind of crazy especially to Taysom hill and alvin Kamara, who could break a long run any any moment alvin Kamara came in averaging 63.3 yards per game and he only had 26 chris olave like you mentioned came in averaging 77.25 yards a game and he had 40 i mean we shut down two of those stars and they just did not make any impact on the game Kamara didn't even make much of an impact receiving the ball either so it's definitely it, it, we have to give the shout out to the defense and they played awesome. They were they forced twelve third downs and only allowed three conversions. The Saints were zero for one on on fourth downs as well. They just looked great. They looked to see they looked to be locked in. Other than that one touchdown drive, and other than that, there was really no big plays or big opportunities for the Saints. Yeah, and the two interceptions, you win the turnover turnover battle there. I go back in my head to, I think it was during the Dolphins game after we talked about that to when we had those four missed interceptions and we talked about it for a little bit and we basically kind of agreed that, you know, that didn't lose us the game, but yeah, I didn't think it did. Had those happened, it would have put us in a pretty darn good position where, where we could have won the game, you know, or made it a little bit easier for us. And so I think these two interceptions, I mean, if you take those away, you could be in a totally different ball game. You definitely um, are. So the fact that those two interceptions happened, it was really good to see them. Really, really great for the defense to step up there. So that, that was good from the defense. And one of those guys that dropped, I think, two of the picks against Miami was, was Levi Wallace. And he had an awesome interception there. And I thought Levi Wallace played really well. I thought uh, Cameron Sutton looked really good too. And then – We've been people have been critical of Devin Bush, and I already said a little bad things about Robert Spillane. But those were the two linebackers this week. Miles Jack was dressed, didn't play a single snap, and I didn't know he was a full participant. Was supposed to play. I had no idea he wasn't going to play. And to me, that's a big loss, especially with Minka not on the back end. And 
they played well. Devin Bush looked good. Robert Spillane, other than a, a few times in pass coverage, which is not – I don't think it's a specialty. He doesn't look to be very good at it. But other than that, the two guys played really well. And so I, I have to give them some credit. But I think this is where we can maybe talk about the, the reintroduction of T.J. Watt into the defense. Yeah. I think he just makes such a big impact. And from minute one or play one of the game by the Saints, he makes that stuff at the line. And you could just feel the emotion of the stadium go crazy because TJ's back. And his stat line wasn't nuts. Only had four tackles, one QB hit. But the amount of double teams he had that opened up guys like Alex Highsmith to have his two sacks, his first sack was because of TJ. TJ was yep. double teamed. He had a one-on-one and one. And I think Alex Highsmith, as we talked about, has grown into a really good pass rusher. And if you leave him one-on-one against most guys, he's going to win. So TJ Watt being back just made an unbelievable impact. Yeah, it's the fear factor that TJ brings. I mean, you have to make an offense, draw up a certain play or figure out how they're going to handle right. walking scheme for TJ Watt. And exactly what you said, he really opens things up for, for other players, um, makes it really tough to kind of play against him. And I got to tell you this, this was this is one of the coolest things. And, and Patty actually mentioned this to me after the game. Yeah. And I was really looking forward to it. I, I got into the stadium. We got into the stadium a little bit early so we could see the, the team run out. And when they announced TJ and he ran out of the tunnel, that was the loudest that the stadium was all day and, yeah. and wasn't even completely full. Probably goosebumps. Yeah, goosebumps for sure. It was the coolest thing. I mean, you said that first drive alone, he had two tackles. He forced if, – if you go back and watch what happened on that third down play on the Saints' third play of the game – he forced the check down that Andy Dalton threw. Yeah. Um, and so that really forced them to punt and for us to get the ball. So he really came out a force to be reckoned with exactly what you said with high Smith opening that up. I think we've, we've mentioned PFF in, in PFF grades in the past. Um, yeah. high Smith was our highest graded PFF player this week. Cam Hayward was our second highest. So just what TJ is, is doing in, in opening this up. You know, we talked a little bit last uh, in one of the last few episodes about the question of whether or not TJ Watt will get more sacks than Alex Highsmith. And I think you said yes. And I said, no, I think Highsmith will. Um, so I'm going to bring that up maybe every week and let you know that I'm in the lead there. But yeah, Highsmith's making me look bad. Eight and a half is going to be tough to catch. You did caveat it, though. You said if Highsmith has a couple like two sack games like TJ did, it's it's going to be hard to kind of cover up that ground. And that's exactly what it was. So really great stuff. I'll give you my stat of the week just while we're on this TJ piece. And my stat of the week is that we are two and oh in the season when TJ Watt plays. I, I know in that's the good. past I mentioned, you know, we were oh and six or oh and five whatever it Your was favorite stat. yeah i gotta bring it back we're two and oh when he plays so we'll we'll take it as it is and and if he's healthy and he's playing i mean it's he's a difference maker it's just so good to have him back and see that we're just a different defense when he's on the field it allows us to do so many more creative things everywhere else in the field and it gets guys like cam hayward larry okanjobi alex highsmith all these other guys opportunities so yeah that's a good stat it's your favorite yeah. stat, but it's a good stat. Hey, it, it works. It gets the job done. Let's talk a little bit about offense and, and move away from the defense. Um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up, kind of a random a random point here, is that I think this was one of those games, and again, I was in person, so maybe I kind of picked up on, on different things. But it really seemed like this was the first game where we actually had a full utilization of Derek Watt, of our fullback. I mean... Maybe ever since we signed him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was crazy. 
he only had two carries, gained five yards, but that's not what matters. What matters is that they were on a third and one. One was from our own 40-yard line. Uh, the other was at the, the end of the game where he got a, a first down conversion and kind of helped us ice the game. And he was utilized in the blocking game as well, I think, on, on a, a number of different plays. So yep. we really saw a full utilization of Derek Watt, and, and that was just great to see. I mean, that was using a fullback for the right reasons, and I think that helped us convert in a number of instances. Yeah, you didn't get to hear Mark Schlereth call the game, um, but he had some good comments, and the one was I think on the third down, right before, or the second down right before one of the conversions by Derek Watt, he said, you gotta just hit the hole and just fall forward and get the first. And whatever running back it was, I think it was Najee, didn't. And then Derek Watt, they handed it to him on third down, and that he just rumbles for two or three yards, and he got so happy. He's like, that's what you do. You just put your foot in the ground and hit the hole and get the yards. And he did, and I thought it was great. I love that they finally bring the fullback back. Hopefully it sticks because I think it helps the running game a lot. Yeah, and speaking of the run game, you mentioned you know Najee in your you know balls of steel player. And obviously, good stuff with Derek Watt. I, I think, as always, um, Jalen Warren deserves an appreciation here, too. Absolutely. He had a really good game. Um, I think, in particular, one of the plays on that final drive that we had where he had that catch and the run to convert yeah. for a first down. I mean, I think keep doing what, what you're doing with Jalen Warren. That is a, you know, he is a diamond in the rough. Um, well, and one of the other big storylines of the game was big plays and we beat them i think six nothing in big plays we had four runs over 20 yards that's the first time in over 30 years maybe not since like 1979 for the steelers um and we had i mean that was one was Najee harris one was pickings one was jalen warren one was kenny pickett so it was it was everybody and then we had two long pass plays so six plays of 20 plus was big for us we have not had an explosive offense this year um but they look good on Sunday. And I have to give a little bit of credit where credit's due. Matt Canada deserves some credit. He looked to have some better schematics and better schemes. The route trees were better. They figured out how to run a slant. They figured out how to run a proper screen pass with linemen out in front. They they figured out how to run the ball at certain situations and, and use certain plays to show things and then run plays off of that. It, it looked like he called a pretty good game. And uh, I like to beat down on him. And I'm not his biggest fan, but – he, he called a pretty good game on Sunday. So that was great to see. Yeah. So one of the things that quite, that, that I kind of questioned about Matt Canada, and I don't know if this is him necessarily, this might even be a Tomlin call, but I wrote down the four instances that we opted to kick a field goal because, yeah. you know, one of the things we've talked about is how low scoring our games are. Right. And, you look at the score and we still only scored 20 points in this game. Granted, yes, we missed two field goals, so it could have been 26, but we really weren't that high scoring. And there were, you know, some, a lot of times where we opted to go for a field goal. So the field goals came on a fourth and five at the 15. Um, so that was you know, questionable. Yeah. A fourth and goal, but that was at the 21. So obviously you're going to kick that. Another fourth and five at the 15. And then a fourth and six at the 30-yard line. But this is coming off of a missed field goal. So for me, I'm just sitting there. And that's one of the frustrating things that we have seen is, you know, first down, second down, third down, you're in the red zone or you're on the 30 and, and you just aren't necessarily playing to get that first down. Sometimes you're playing for shots for the end zone, whatever it might be. And then you bring out the field goal unit. I think on, on the one yard touchdown run that Kenny had, 
we had first down, second down, third down was a, a missed a missed pass. Fortunately, yeah. we got a pass interference that put us on the one and, and we ran it in. But it's it was kind of the same thing. And that was really frustrating for me to see is like, I don't know if that's Matt Canada or if that's Tomlin that's making that decision. But even with a, a like with a backup kicker, especially with a backup kicker who has missed, why are why are we not, you know, going for it? Do we not have the right plays drawn up for it? You gotta be aggressive. And I guess maybe looking at, at where the game is, you take points in some of those instances, but that was like mildly frustrating for me. Those are interesting points. I actually didn't I didn't even think about those. So I guess I missed those frustrations, but you're right. We, we do tend to be uh, aggressive in times when we shouldn't and not aggressive when we should be. But I guess this is kind of what I'm used to. I think the, a lot of the field goal decisions are Tomlin's and, Think back to the Buffalo game when we're kicking field goals down, what, 30 to nothing or whatever. I feel like I've just become accustomed to we're going to kick a lot of field goals and we're not going to push it on fourth down, which is why I was so shocked that we went for it on fourth down the second drive of the game and threw, went back to pass 12 times to start the game. I just – we looked more aggressive, but you're right. I guess they settled down and, and toned it down a little bit. Yeah, maybe those field goals are some of – you know, when you're in the stadium, right, I think you kind of – it's definitely vocalized more from the fans. Like yeah. there's a grunts and groans whenever that happens as opposed to when you're watching on tv and you're like man screw that but i guess that's kind of how it goes um all right so we'll we'll stay here on this theme and this will kind of transition us because we're going to talk about kenny here for for a little bit um but you know from the run game side our offensive line definitely played a lot better um from from a run perspective yeah in the past protection i there's still a lot of issues and errors and things that we need to clean up. Would you agree with that? It's hard not to. I mean, we were sacked six times for 37 yards lost, and we were lucky it was only six times. We mentioned at least two of Najee's great blocks to help us, and Kenny, I know, escaped a couple other sacks. So, yeah, the the pass protection was not good, and I know the Saints have a good D-line, but it was still – it was lacking a lot. They look good in the run and open up some holes, but the pass protection just is not there yet. Yeah, so you blame, you know, naturally you blame some of it on the offensive line. I think there definitely is some blame that can be put on Kenny for some of the decisions that were made. Tomlin actually said that in his press conference today. Um, The quote that he said essentially was, um, let me see if I can find it here. Um, he, He essentially said, you know, he's still making rookie mistakes. And, and I'll look for that quote here in a second. But, um, you know, at the same time, Tomlin said that Kenny's growth so far this season has been really impressive. His rate of growth and his range of growth, and he expects that to continue. Now, you and I have a little bit of a different viewpoint on how Kenny played this game. Um, so I'm going to let you take the stage here and just talk about what you saw from Kenny and, and anything about his growth and what you think. Because I have a couple points uh, that I'll probably counterbalance with what you said. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was one of Kenny's worst games, to be honest. I mean, I know he went 18 of 30 for 199 yards, no interceptions. So that's good. But I just I just thought there was times where he looked out of place, didn't really look like he knew where he was throwing the ball. He missed wide open reads, wasn't making reads, just staying with one receiver. I mean, he missed how many open maybe not open, but he missed a lot of throws that should have been made for an NFL quarterback. And and a lot of that happened in the first half. I mean, the first play of the game, George Pickens was wide open on a crosser over the middle. Again, Matt Canada, we ran slants, crossers, and he was wide open, and he, he just completely missed them. But at the same play, Ben Roethlisberger actually pointed this out on his podcast this week. 
Deontay Johnson was open for a 75-yard touchdown first play of the game, and he just didn't even look his way. So I just thought Kenny, he, he didn't do his progressions very well. As Mark Schlater said, he kept rolling outside, which actually created didn't help him and maybe created more pressure because he was rolling into the pressure. But then I think he stepped it up a little bit in the second half. I'm not saying he played perfect, but he looked a lot more comfortable, made a lot of big throws. Or throws. That throw to Najee in the end zone that he dropped in the first drive of the second half, that was a perfect throw into almost double coverage in the corner. Should have been our longest touchdown of the year, so we don't have to hear the stat. We only have an eight-yard touchdown as our longest, but Najee didn't catch it. And then the 36-yard pass to Deontay Johnson was also was also great. But and I guess he also stepped up a few times in the pocket in the second half, which yeah. was was good to see. But still, I mean, I'm not saying he regressed this game. I just thought this was one of he didn't throw any picks, but I just looked, thought he looked the most off that he's looked all season in the first half. It just it was weird. He didn't look poised. He he was he was making bad decisions. He just wasn't making good throws. And, and there were some tweets online like he needed new new gloves because his gloves weren't doing it for him or or whatever, you know, just jokes like that. And I, and I agreed. I thought he struggled a little bit, but he turned it around in the second half. And I'm like, I think his growth still there. I think every every snap he plays on offense is, is a positive for him. And he battled through that ankle injury he got in the in during the game. And so I'm not I'm not down on him. I'm, I think his growth's there. I think he will continue to grow and get better, like Tomlin said. But I definitely thought this was one of his his worst games this year. Yeah, it's just interesting to me that you bring some of those up. I think they're valid points, right? I think there were there were some missed throws, and and you know there were some instances where he didn't necessarily read the whole field and go through his progression. So, I agree with you in that sense, but I I would disagree in saying that this is one of his worst games. I mean, I think yes. Going back to the Tomlin quote, I think he basically said that that Kenny sometimes gets us into those mistakes. Like Kenny makes those, you know, sacks happen just yeah. because he's trying to scramble out of them or whatever it might be. So I go back to the whole thing of like this kid is a, a rookie quarterback in the NFL and he's making rookie mistakes. Um, he, he's he's going to do that. We knew that. That's going to happen this year. That's going to happen next year. It's going to happen for a little bit. But what I saw were, were, were some really positive things. I saw him, you know, just – considering what he did a few games back. Um, and I think it, maybe it was the Dolphins game or maybe it was the Eagles game. I, I don't know. There were a few instances where, um, you know, we questioned him, you know, stepping back and not stepping up into the pocket and doing certain things. Like yeah. I watched him step up into the pocket multiple times. Um, there was one where he kind of like was able to get out of the pocket and scramble and throw the ball away. And it's like the guy right in front of me in the stadium was like three weeks ago, that would have been a sack. And like, it was kind of true. It, it was yeah. really nice to kind of see Kenny's decision-making improving, I guess. I mean, he didn't throw any interceptions. We know that a lot of his interceptions this season have, have come on tip balls and, and bad luck, but you yeah. know, some haven't been good throws. So yeah, I, I, I can see where you say the room for improvement is definitely going to be, you know, around making some better throws. It's like the accuracy behind his throws, maybe reading the whole field. But I think his decision-making is getting better, and I think he's learning when and how to use his mobility. Like, he had 51, I think it was 51 rushing yards. There was the one 26-yard scramble that he had. You yeah. mentioned his hustle where he really ran down the field and, and tried to throw Naj a block. Like, I think he's just, he's kind of coming into himself. His stat line's not great. What, it was like a 60% completion rate this game. Yeah. Under 200 yards. But, you know, altogether, 
I think it was not a, a bad game for him. I, I wouldn't go as far as you to say it was one of his worst, but um, like you said, I, I'm still on the Kenny train. Um, we're still rooting for him. We still think he can do well and there's room for improvement just because you think it was one of his worst games. And I don't, doesn't mean we're both not rooting for him. Absolutely. And see the potential for him. So. Yeah. And I have to say, I think partly why I thought it was one of his worst games was I actually disagree. I don't think Sunday was a lot of rookie mistakes. Um, like earlier in the year, a lot of those picks, like we said, were, were just stupid rookie mistakes and learning experiences. But I thought a lot of his just throws looked off. And, mm. and that wasn't more that wasn't as much of a mistake as just a bad throw. And uh, I know, like, like you said, he cleaned it up in the second half. He stepped up and he had some beautiful balls in the second half and ran the ball a little bit more. But that first half, he just looked shaky and didn't and didn't seem comfortable. And, and so that's that's where I'm speaking that I thought he played one of his worst games, not the mistakes. It was more just bad throws and not bad decisions either just bad throws and he just looked yeah. a little off but yeah he, he he's gonna keep learning and he's gonna get better and a lot of this stuff once he continues to run the ball a little bit more and learns how to step into the pocket and read make some reads i have no doubt he'll be fine yeah the tomlin quote i finally found it was that sometimes kenny gets kenny and i think that's what we saw so um we'll see what happens you know i'd, I'd like to see him obviously get some more touchdown throws that's we, yeah do you want a funny stat about that yeah let's hear it yeah so the funny stat this week about that is with just two touchdown passes on 195 passing attempts kenny pickett joins only jimmy clausen and ryan leaf as the only rookie qbs to ever have at least 190 passes and a td percentage of one percent or lower hmm. Not very good uh, company to be a part of with Ryan Leaf and Jimmy Clausen, but that doesn't account for his rushing touchdowns, and that doesn't account for how bad our offense has been. So take that with a grain of salt. It's just a funny, a little funny stat there for you. Yeah, that's true. We'll see what we, we can get to improve there and, and you know bring his stat line up a little bit. But uh, I'm going to ask you a listener question here just because that kind of flows nicely into the topic. This, this came in last week, but we didn't get to it. And- the question that we got came from one of our longtime listeners, Sarah, and she asked the question, is Penny the future? Is, is he our franchise quarterback? And she said that she's skeptical. And now this came after, you know, after the Eagles game. Um, but I want to see if we can opine on this. And, and I'll start really quickly and just say, I, I am optimistic that he can be our future, that he could be our future. I just don't think we can fairly evaluate him right now. We need to see, you know, some improvement around the offensive line and and with play calling uh, and and see what happens. Let's ride this season out. And quite frankly, let's ride next season out too, because that's really how we're going to get a fair evaluation of him. And then we can, you know, decide whether it's time to move on or whether or not, you know, we keep building around him. That's my take. Yeah. I mean, I just spoke poorly about him for a while there and I'm going to come out and say definitively, yes, he is the future. He has all the intangibles, which I know it doesn't make you a good quarterback, but he has all the intangibles. He obviously has the locker room. He's a great leader, great guy. The, the team rallies around him. But also, I think his play is not, not as bad as people are giving him credit for. Like you said, you got to take everything he's doing this year with a grain of salt because of the bad situation around him. But you just have to remember, there's a lot of young quarterbacks that struggle at the beginning of their careers. We, we've went through this a couple of weeks ago with Josh Allen. And, and look at Justin Fields now in Chicago. They just decided to tailor the offense around his skill set. And what's he doing? He's doing really well. It takes time. And sometimes it takes a better a coordinator learning that what how to use you and use you correctly. And, and that takes time from the coordinator's perspective as well. So I think we just got to be patient with him. I think he will be the future. All right. Good answer. And while you mentioned Chicago, I, I, I want to bring this up. You know, 
we talked about Chase Claypool with the trade last last episode. We both are Chase Claypool fans. We like Chase Claypool, but he had uh, one catch for eight yards this game against the Lions. So I think that trade is looking even better and better. Hopefully it, it continues. Obviously we want to root for Claypool and, and some success, but that sets us up pretty nicely if the Bears kind of keep doing what they're doing. They lost to the Lions, so that's yeah. Pretty nicely with their pick. They're three and seven in the last place in the NFC, and right now they are projected to have the sixth overall pick, which means that draft pick we got from them will be the thirty-eighth overall pick, which is pretty crazy. We're sitting at tenth right now overall in the draft order. But that brings me to a question for you, and I had been thinking about this and tossing and turning about this this topic for the last week or so, and this is this is, fits fits right in. Would you rather us tank? to get better draft picks for next year and maybe not tank, but would you rather us do not do well this year and have good draft picks or try to win and win a bunch of these last games? I can see how you might lose some sleep on this question. Um, yeah, it's hard. Let me tell you this. I will say walking out of the stadium on Sunday with a win and getting walking into the stadium and just getting fired up for it and sitting there, you know, after halftime when it was 10, 10, I was like, man, I really just want to win this game. And so when I, when we left, it was the best, it was the best feeling to, to get that win. And I think for me, I don't, I don't have it in me to, to say that I don't get frustrated when we lose games, even if we're going to get a great draft pick or, you know, it, it's it's rebuilding season or it's for the future. For me, I think I would rather see us win. And that's not, you know, I think the playoffs this year are a long shot. We know that we have like a 1.6% chance to get in. It's very, very unlikely, um, you know, very unlikely that Tomlin gets to his 500 season. I mean, I don't care about that. I just, I, I think I want to win. I, I want to see us win. Um, I have so much pride that that's there that I I don't know if I can, you know, I don't enjoy when we lose, even though I know it would be, you know, for the positive draft. What do you? Yeah, that's the same conclusion I came to. I just, I hate losing. And with this storied franchise and this team, we, who wants to lose? Nobody wants to lose. And whether you have the third pick or you have the 32nd pick, you still have to make the most of the, the pick and you have to pick the right people. So, I don't really care where our draft picks are. I want to win and try to build the morale for next year because guess what? A lot of these guys aren't leaving and it's a lot of the same players. So let's try to grow and get better and winning's the best way to do that. So yeah, I came to the same conclusion. I want to win. I want to definitely win. Yeah, I don't know if it's our egos or if it's just, you know, it's the Steelers mentality. Yeah. That's, that's just how it goes. That's a great question though. Um, Glad you asked it. Let's go ahead and wrap things up here with a little bit of a game preview um, for, for this upcoming game against the Bengals. It is officially Bengals week. Uh, A a lot of animosity between these two teams. Um, The Bengals are five and four right now. Interestingly enough, they are 0 and three in the AFC North. So they have a, a pretty decent record, right? We know they have a good team around them. But they're 0-3 in the AFC North. So a couple wins, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we jump them at, at some point. Who knows? They're definitely not the favorites to win the division anymore. But we're looking at a 425 game. This was flexed out of prime time. Normally that doesn't happen to us. Um, I'm not mad about that. I don't enjoy the Sunday night football games all the time. But let's talk just a little bit about some of the things that the Bengals 
are going to bring to the table. I have a few things written down, and I know you probably have some numbers here. Um, but the Bengals are either first or, or maybe second in allowed sacks in the NFL. Um, I think they have 32 uh, sacks that they have allowed. Burrow's been sacked 30 times. That's like three and a half sacks a game. You know, we go back to week one where we played them. We had seven sacks. Right. Eight, seven, eight? I don't, I don't I think it was seven. Know. A, a lot of sacks against them. Um, Jamar Chase is out. He's, you know, missed two games and he's already like, he's still their leading receiver. So um, he is out that plays in our favor, but they have a good wide receiving core around, um, you know, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, they're going to step up. And we're just coming off of a game where Joe Mixon had five touchdowns. Joe Mixon's their running back. He had four rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. So it's clear that what they're doing with their star wide receiver out is they're giving more of that weight to some of their other players. And, and Joe Mixon um, is one of the recipients. There. So if we can stop the run like we did against Alvin Kamara and do that for Joe Mixon, we could be in for a, um, you know, a pretty good game. So we'll see. And earlier this year, that might have been a tough task with how bad our run defense looked, but they looked really good last week. So we'll see. Just some stats here. The Bengals offense, they're sixth in scoring. Sixth in passing offense, 27th in rushing. That's even after the big performance by Mixon right before their bye week. And then their eighth in total offense. But you have to remember, a lot of those numbers are skewed. That's a lot of Jamar Chase making plays on by himself, you know, yards after the catch and stuff like that. So I don't think their offense is as good as, as those numbers are without Jamar Chase. Their defense on the other side, it's not. it's been kind of middle of the pack. They're 13th in scoring defense, 12th in passing, 17th in rush defense, and 10th in total defense. So maybe – 17th and rush defense, they might be able to – we can maybe find some holes against them and, and, and continue to run the ball successfully. And, and that probably will be the key to victory, being able to run on them. Yeah. So we'll leave you guys with two things, unless there's one more you want to add, but I don't know. But I have two things. The first thing is Minka Fitzpatrick, as we mentioned earlier, was out this past game. Um, he had appendicitis. So he had an appendectomy and – he is trending up to potentially play in this game. He's supposed so, to play. They said he was already running today. So that's a huge sign. He might have, he wanted to play the Saints game and they told him no. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. That's good news if Minka plays. And I know we talk about some of these or give you guys some of these little nuggets that we do sometimes whenever we play certain teams. And last week it was, you know, the last time we beat the Saints, we were two and six and it was week, all that stuff. Um, but here's one for this week that we, we just think is really interesting. So teams are 0-8 this season in the week after playing the Carolina Panthers. So basically every time someone plays the Panthers this year, they lose their next game. The Bengals played them in week nine, then they had their bye week, and we are their next game playing the Panthers. So hopefully that streak's continues we'll see what happens and um, we have to say that the bye week does still count in that stat the rams played them in week six had a bye in week seven and then lost to the 49ers in week eight so the bye week still allows the stat to stand there you go so let's roll with it let's hope that streak continues let's hope for a win against cincinnati sweep them two and oh um that you know, feel good them, put them down zero and four in the afc north that would be that would be awesome yeah that'd feel great as Mika said I don't really like any of them, those guys. So, well, let's come out hitting. I don't really like any of them either. So, uh, let's let's get that W. And that's all that Pult and I have for you guys today. Uh, we thank you as always for tuning in and listening. Don't don't hesitate to drop us a note with any questions or comments, and 
we'll be back with you guys after the Bengals game. So take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Peace. We'll be right back.